It's Monday, September 9th, 2013. Yes! This is the between episodes segment. We need to come up with an actual name for this. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not the murder. Little dose of of size matters. (laughs) The little parts of size matter. Yeah. Yes. Yay! So, so Dragonian, you've come up with names for our our segments before. You need to come up with a name for this little bi-weekly thing between our two (laughs) episodes. Uh, It's the the Toe Jam. (laughs) Ew. The in between, I don't know. Ew. <laughs> hey, I keep my paws clean. There's only so I clean actually have of... several tinies living in between my toes. Thank you very much. Then, then I'm not sure if that would actually be considered clean. Condominiums in between there. I picked them up one day. Again, again. Stay there you're, you're totally contradicting your point about being clean. Well, the the condominiums are clean. Have you seen a condominium? Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm just letting you, you judge yourself, man. You're, you're, you're okay. driving it into the ground. Well, okay. Well, maybe maybe they went down the drain in the shower. I'm not sure. Last time I checked, they were still there, but I'm just like, eh. <laughs> I well, keep my toes clean. That's all I know. All right. So if, for those of you who didn't uh, catch the last episode or the little segment before, you know we're, we're going to a biweekly format, so our next – full episode of the podcast will be next week, uh, Monday, the 16th of September. Uh, But we are going to discuss a little bit uh, just about some of the feedback we've gotten from the listeners. And then there'll be another little treat at the end, just like we had uh, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead. What? I like treats. Treats are delicious. You and my cat. (laughs) So let's go ahead into the email and dive uh, headfirst into that. And I think you have an email that uh, you were wanting to read from somebody, Kenson. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So this email is from Gainey. Before I start, I just want to say real fast, I love you, Gainey. Like a week ago, I was going through a little bit of a down thing, I guess. And he sent me this note, and it was so sweet. I love you so much, Gainey. So I'm very, very, very happy to read your email. And... He said, uh, subject is macro film question. He said, hey guys, it's Gainey on FA. Really liked your discussion about macro slash micro school, especially the discussion about power and whatnot it led to. And I am dang glad to find, and well, hold on. And I am dang glad to find not one, but two guys who are not mean macros. Uh, nothing wrong with the other stuff, but not really my thing. I could go on a whole tangent about how it's a result of a societal expectation to get step on, <laughs> step on everyone and hold on everyone to get what you want and how by being the mean one. Uh, you are actually giving in to someone else, letting them dominate you in a way. But I won't go on about that here. Okay. Uh, anyway, when you guys mentioned the macro micro reality show at the end of episode seven, that made me wonder this question. Well, technically more than one. If a macro were told to make a film, say a documentary about the stomping and chaos that occurs in the lives of micros, 
would their macro status pretty much inhibit them from being able to portray micros in a way that is truly that truly connects with the macro audience? That is, would the macro be able to truly understand the micro subjects he is filming, or would their status get in the way of their objectivity? And on the flip side, if a micro was the one who made the film, making it about how all micros are victims and how all macros are big evil meanies, hey. and somehow figured out a way for macros to see it as well, how defensive of a reaction do you think the macros uh, would have? Uh, would most of them have a calm, collected, and reasonable reaction, or would the majority of them be outraged and start looking to stomp the micro who made the film? Hope this isn't too big of a question. Nothing is too big a question, Ganey. Uh, keep on stomping, Kwan and Kenson. Love your stuff and how much thought you put into it. Ganey the Panda Cat. P.S. Kenson, enjoy school as much as you can, big guy. Toe hugs. All right. Well, I think that... I, going, that's an awesome question. And, and going on to the uh, idea about you know macros making a documentary about micros or, or vice versa, mm-hmm. uh, it is something that... <laughs> It it totally depends on you know the person who's making it because mm-hmm. it, well even if you think about actual movies that have been made about small things like like I know we talked about ants and and a yes. bug's life you know those and like uh, live action stuff too like uh, honey we shrunk ourselves and things well well but yeah and the whole thing I'm I'm you know bringing that up for is because those go to the point of really getting into the mindset of a of a bug, but it's made from a, a human. So, you know, someone who is creative and open-minded enough, uh, and, and people who get into film usually are, hopefully, that way, then yes. they are able to, I think they'd be able to portray in a in a fair way, and then they, in a way, like you said, that, that truly connects with the audience, the, whether it's a macro or a micro audience. Yes, the Steven Spielberg of tinies. Please and thank you. <laughs> no, I said someone who is, you know, creative and open-minded, not someone uh. who just... Oh, <laughs> not someone who just kind of makes. Well, well, Michael Bay would do the macro movies because he's all about explosions. So, and again, you are totally going down the wrong, the wrong trail there. I don't as, know as what far I'm as, as... About. <laughs> okay. Basically, yeah. just give it to Pixar. That's my, that's my point. Oh, okay, cool. That works. <laughs> well, that that question's interesting. And as I was reading it, I got the idea in my head. Um, when I was at Anthrocon, I got to meet Sparky the Chew. And I got a request uh, from him, and in my gallery, the pic's still there, a description I put about it, because the picture that Sparky drew me was me basically rampaging and eating people, which I do not do. So what I did in the description was make up, uh, basically, it's like, and cut! Brilliant, Chirpzilla! Like, I was an actor in a movie. And then, basically, I get up, I, like, I let the actors down into my paw, and they get dried off, and then I go towel over my shoulder back to my dressing room so it's kind of like that you're just playing a monster in a movie and that's a really interesting idea so i'm glad you brought that up um but from like a macros perspective like going from that um entire like not just the commission that i got but the idea in general um i think that depending on like what you said uh panda paws with the micro director um the actor the macro uh, would have to be open-minded. Like, they would have to be willing to understand the life of a tiny and not just be like, (laughs) so it's definitely an interesting concept, and it would have to do with the actor slash cast and director as individuals, I guess, and as a whole. Yeah, this made me think of something that, you know, 
Rogue, uh, Rogue's book, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Rogue as a, as a macro is very much all raw, raw, stomp, stomp, crush, crush. Oh no, he's a softy on the inside. Well, that, and I guess it's just because of the way he portrays himself then, because his his writing is actually very much a, uh, mm. you know, at least not all of it, but, but much of it is from uh, a micro's perspective and really gets into the, uh, you know, looking up and, and in awe at, at a macro, at least the stuff that he wrote that has connected with me. Yes. I have actually yet to read any of the Mega Wolfie's writings, probably because I oftentimes finding myself not having time. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the most of it that I'm thinking of is that he did. Uh, there was a book that he has that's actually something you can download, buy and download through a couple different mm-hmm. ebook sellers. Uh, yeah, it's actually if you go on the Macro Furries FA page, I believe there's a direct link to it. Like it's their featured submission. Um, hold on. Oh no, it's not. It's actually one of their uploads. It's the official Macro Fur book. Uh, Tales of the Macro Furs, Volume One: The Big Boys by right. Rogue. And volume one implies that there's going to be more volumes, but as far as I can tell, that's the only one so far. He's too busy rampaging. It's okay. He'll get to it. <laughs> All right. So I think that's good for uh, answering Ganey's question. So let's go right. ahead. And we've got another email here from McKay's. McKay's soon. And I'm going to go ahead and read that one here. Uh, so he says, you guys, <laughs> uh, I know you guys get flooded with email. I hope this email will be just here. It did. Don't worry Aww. about that. Yay. You're uh, awesome. And he asks, you recently did discuss macro schools and adaptation. I was yes. wondering if you had plans on another episode discussing things such as changes to a world's infrastructure to accommodate macros or micros. I'd also like to know what your thoughts on what manner of law changes would occur when macros micros started showing up. I'm, I'm working off the modest size of 40 to 50 foot uh, macros or micros of 4 to 6 inches. It's funny okay. you should mention that because that's actually kind of yeah. what one of our uh, segments for episode eight next week is going to be. Mm-hmm. And our guest of honor is the one who came up with the idea. So sort of, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that after we get the, through these emails, but yeah. uh, but yeah, just just stay tuned for that, McKay. <laughs> stay uh, you also, tuned. McKay's also did write in uh, with another part of of that kind of a, a second, a two part question. Uh, he did say you guys mentioned the whole macro school thing and how it should be done by someone. Ages ago, perhaps before you guys probably got into the community as act, as active as you are now, there was something done by, I believe, Crux and Arlen called BFCC, Big Furs Community College, that worked <laughs> on some of the very themes you mentioned. That's Arlen awesome. did a short Arlen did a short story within the setting as well as Crux did a few stories plus some of our art of the campus. It's an idea I'd love to see return. Oh, yes. Let's so I, do it. I think that, that, that is a, a great idea to you know, for a... Group of stories, and 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 I kind of, you know, did toy around with that as an idea for a series of stories, but uh, you know, haven't done anything hey, too in depth with it yet. I want to help if you do. Like, maybe we should pick up a role play again, and then actually like turn it into a story. <laughs> that that. Was- that- that never really works out well, turning a role play into a story. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we could just do a story and then go back and forth. I don't know. How do two people write a story? Because I know it's been done. Right? Uh, you know, it's something that it, it it definitely, I think, depends on the story. Uh, it, the The best way to do it really is to have one person who is kind of the the creative side and will kind of write the the rough draft so to speak and right. the other person comes in and says you know this should be this this should be this kind of as an editor almost 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it that's when when you <laughs> actually get to quote unquote professional or professional style writing. Part of part of it is just so much the author's voice, and if you have mm-hmm. two people writing the story, that can get kind of muddled if you're not careful with it. Yeah, you know what I think would be cool though. Like it's a different idea if you would ever want to. Like about just this story in specific, like bringing back the whole macro college thing. What if one of us did the perspective of a macro and one of us wrote the perspective of a micro and then have them both in the same story and meshing up? That could definitely work. Uh, another thing that I think you could do within, you know, with multiple people, and this could be even, you know, more than two. Multiple would, characters. Well, there's, there's a kind of story that is basically, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting the term right, but I think the basic term is found art or found uh, well, I'm not sure the exact term. It's something that that was originally brought to me by uh, K. Bob, one of the the writers I gave a shout K-Bob. out to about <laughs> what four or five weeks ago. Oh gosh. Uh, the basic oh, idea, yeah. though, is that the the whole story is told not as a straight narrative, but through different segments from that would be pulled from like the real yes. life, like like having a newspaper story, and then maybe mm. you know maybe having some you know a picture. And and the whole thing would actually tell a narrative, uh, just like a traditional short story. But oh. it's going it's 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 going back and forth between all sorts of different styles. So that that's fantastic. It, you know that way you don't have to worry about the author having a consistent voice. And if you wanted to, you don't have to. But if you wanted to, more than one person could participate right. in that. Yes, and I just thought of the Watchmen for some reason. Like the Watchmen is a novel. Well, it's a graphic novel, but still novel uh you see so many different people's stories like you see all the watchmen stories uh you see like even the people on the streets uh, like there's a guy who owns a newspaper stand and like it just flips back and forth but by the very end you see all of their stories together so ironically like enough it? ironically enough i think i'm not 100 percent sure on watchmen but i'm pretty <laughs> sure watchmen was primarily one guy uh who yeah. you know obviously there's more people who did ink and stuff on it but the actual uh, story that was written was mm-hmm. was all from one guy, just like uh, uh, Mouse and, and other you know graphic yes. novels that are more serious in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's definitely a g- awesome idea. Thanks for that, uh, Mikaze, because I actually like that whole school bit we did. I just I was like, yeah, we did it, woo! But there's like more. I want to do more <laughs> about it. It's school. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I said it last episode. Something never- about school. Can never get enough for a macro, can you? I don't know why. Yeah, it's just you can always think of something. It's so good. It's like a giant, just a a giant creative idea pool. <laughs> Pun intended. All right. So there's one more email here that uh, we want to go ahead and read from uh, Thunder Draymond. Uh, do you want to read that, Kenson? Okay, from Thunder Draymond. Subject is questions and stuff. First off, happy you guys love the ideas, and glad I somehow inspired one of you to try and commission something out of it. Though now you've got a race, uh, though now you've got a race, gonna see if I can beat you guys to it. Uh, second, I thought you guys covered the macro-micro school relations pretty well, but a few things I was wondering. Number one, extracurricular activities. Ah, this is so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, what would you expect in a school full of giants? 
barring the normal sports and stuff, I could see something like a macros or micros are friends, not food <laughs> club, <laughs> where they would treat micros like a completely different species and try to understand them a bit more. Silly explorations, etc. Someone has been uh, watching Finding Nemo too recently. Micros all friends. Fish are friends. Oh, Wait. Actually, Fish I'm all friends, not yes. food. Except and now, now I'm wanting to sing the actual the song from the Finding Nemo musical from uh, Animal oh Kingdom, which oh probably ninety percent of the people out there don't know what it is. But anywho, I think I saw. I don't know. I was at Disney. You may have seen that if you went to Animal Kingdom yet. Maybe I'm not sure. It's a good all show. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I'm gonna go back. All With right, me. number two, destructive tendencies slash habits. How would you stop us? Uh, how would you stop a student that towers? Uh, everyone by a dozen or so feet, or one in a school full of them. Uh, the teachers being more than just teachers can help, but it's high school, and all sorts of first-world teenager problems and emotions spiked up to large sizes. Ooh. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> one of the... <laughs> there's a couple different ways to go about it. You know, Probably the, the most straightforward way would be you know, having teachers, some of the teachers or uh, some of the... you know principal or, or vice principal be a macro themselves yes like the highest um the, the higher up on the, like basically there should always be a bigger teacher yes. <laughs> or always be a bigger staff member I, I think it's the vice principal that i think would work best because they're usually ones that are kind of the bad guy at least they're in, the rogue agent yeah yeah, yeah the, the principals fun. you know always kind of tries to be your buddy and, and has more administrative stuff that you don't really see much but the vice principal is the yeah. one who's always on your who's always on your ass and you know what i just thought of have you ever seen the show or heard of the show, everybody? Uh, have you heard of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide? That show from Nickelodeon. Oh, my gosh. The Vice Principal. Like, if you've ever seen it at all or, like, want to go watch it, it should be on Netflix. Like, the Vice Principal is, is you know, this, this cramming rules down your throat guy, wears shades and a white suit. He's all, like, you know, get to class. Hey, where are you going? Kind of, he's he's a really big, pompous. I don't want to say the word, but jerk. <laughs> so that makes sense. That'd be interesting to have him like be ginormous. And now I want to get art of Ned's declassified school survival guide, furry style, and macro micro. That will happen. Okay, moving on. Well, I think that another uh, way that you could go about the idea, you know, if if you didn't have the option for teachers being macros, uh, is to have someone who... You know, the, the idea I'm kind of thinking of is, is Odo on Deep Space Nine, like a, you know, a shapeshifter who can be all sneaky and, uh, and also manipulate things that might end up getting the, the students trapped or... Right. <laughs> Coming up with booby traps. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if if all else fails, get the parents. <laughs> yeah, because normally the parents of a macro, even if they're tiny, like because my parents, for example, um, Eco is my mother in first speak, and there is a uh, there's a little piece of art that I have in my gallery. Basically, uh, she's tiny. I'm huge. I'm going, and I'm just having an awesome time stomping Dayton. And you're also not wearing any pants. Yeah, apparently I'm not wearing pants. So, but I'm basically stomping Dayton, and she's you know her normal height of like five or six feet tall, and she's like, "Get in, go home," and I freak out and run away. So parents are always, yeah, 
Parents exactly. will always do it. <laughs> no matter what the height, you always gotta gotta do yep. what the parent says. At least yep. until you're out from underneath their roof, or from or until you explode roof. out of it. Yes, either way. <laughs> but if you're still a dependent, then you just have to pay for the roof. <laughs> well, then then you'll have to get a job and drop out of school, and that just leads to <laughs> a poor, you know, really. They really don't have factory jobs anymore. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Where did that come from? I have no. Well, you said the whole thing about you have to get a job and then drop out of school, and I was yeah. thinking back in the days of where you just got a factory job Child and that was your life. Yeah. Yeah. Macro labor. Hmm. Well, anywho, I think that's that's all the emails we have here. Uh, yeah. So we're pretty much done with this uh, little mini episode. We do have uh, one to tell you a little bit about what's going on right. with the next episode, episode eight, which will be next Monday. Wow, I uh, believe there's already eight episodes. Goodness. Well, it would no, yeah, it would have been more if we what? hadn't decided to go bi-weekly. We'd be on episode like 12 or 11. Right yeah. Now. But slow in our rolls, then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but our guest for the next episode is going to be Freighter. Uh, now, Yay! if you don't know who Freighter is, he actually has been uh, putting together, uh, and has put together, I should say, because it's been finished, a mm-hmm. new macro, micro-themed magazine called Loom. 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 And that's available on his FA page, uh, which I'll put a link to, but it's you know, furaffinity.net slash... Uh, user slash freighter, F-R-E-D-E-R. Yes. So he'll be on here to talk about that. Uh, if you have any questions about, you know, the process of putting that together or the, you know, the, the plans for the future or anything about uh, that for yes. Freighter, you know, go ahead and email them in and we'll uh, bring them and, and talk about that kind of stuff next week. Righto. And I just realized I had told him that I want to be a contributing artist to the magazine, yet me and my giant lazy spots haven't done anything for it. Yeah, he he did mention that you were he was waiting on something from you. And and uh, to be fair, he's also waiting on something from me. So Okay. Well, I am gonna put something together then, because gosh dang it. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to really talking about that because I think it's a really cool idea to have you know, that and then to have you know, the it does really feel like the macro micro sub fandom is exploding, you know, for lack of a better term. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that's going to be really uh, awesome to uh, Glad help to be with, part. with the podcast and then with that. And, and who knows, there's probably someone else who's having ideas that is for something that no one else has really tried before that we, that's going to be the next big thing. Uh, well, we will try to be bigger. <laughs> and then, uh, in addition to discussing the, uh, the magazine. We'll also talk, as we kind of mentioned, hinted at before, uh, about just how would infrastructure in the world have to be changed right. to accommodate macros, micros, kind of macro, micro, ergonomics, or uh, <laughs> you know, infrastructure changes, law changes. Uh, I, you know, I swear to something that we had the idea for before McKay sent in, but but getting that idea was from uh, that email from McKay's kind of confirmed that yeah, that's something we should talk about. Yes, and something tells me I'm going to learn a lot uh, about things with this next episode, because when you first threw the idea at me, I didn't know what the word ergonomics meant. <laughs> so, and you in college. Fun. Yay, because knowledge is power. Oh, All right. So go ahead, and if you have any questions about Schoolhouse those... Schoolhouse stomp. If you have, so if you have any questions about those subjects, go ahead and send them in to mail at sizematterspodcast.com. Size Matters Podcast 
at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Size Matters Cast. And I just realized I didn't actually look on Twitter to see if we had anyone write in about it. I don't think we did. It's okay. We can cover it uh, um, on the next episode. But I wanted to just, I wanted to thank you guys uh, specifically. Chirpzilla, huge, biggest, warmest snuggles ever. Thank you guys so much for your feedback. It's always so nice to just look in the inbox and see uh, your guys' comments, your guys' questions. You guys have really helped us keep going with all of this. So just keep doing it. We love you so much. And, and, and all of your questions are awesome. And I will say, you know, don't worry if you don't get a response right away. We, we, yes. we definitely are looking through and trying to get as, to as many of them as possible. And, and if we don't send an individual response, we always try to, right. uh, you know, read them as well or, or one way or the other. We'll try to try to get back to you on that. Yes. Just know that no matter what happens, we read them and we get blushy. So. You get blushy. I, I, I kind of more roll my eyes. <laughs> well, I love reading all the different, like, well, <laughs> okay, I'm only one macro, and my brain usually only works in one direction. So it's awesome to see other perspectives and, like, different ideas. Because, you know, only, you know, there's only so much one person can come up with. And when you have a whole bunch of us, you know, tiny and huge fuzz butts, we can come up with a lot more ideas than we could just on our own. So. All right. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and draw this to a close. It's, it's, we've been talking about this stuff for almost 30 minutes now. Yay. So much for being mini. <laughs> yeah. I try my best to but make we will it have, as big as possible. <laughs> we will have at the end, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a, another story. Uh, this story is actually one that's written by me. Uh, so yes. it's, you know, it's something that, to start off with this idea, we we're kind of kind of hopefully keep that trend up to have uh, either a story or something else that we can tag on at the end of these mini segments. And this story is called My Mistake. Uh, you know, there's only a few things you can do to get me upset. It's a little short vignette story that demonstrates one of them. Take it away, Panda Paws. All right, and I will do that. And I hope you rest of you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Yes, keep calm and stomp your paws. Bye. Hope you Bye. enjoy. My Mistake by Quandry Bashir Excuse me? What did you just call me? Blinking, I set down my coffee cup, looking at the well-dressed red panda glaring at me from across the table. Trying to smile, I forced a half-chuckle, hoping to lighten the mood. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you or anything, but that's what you guys are called, right? At least I've heard some people call you that. The panda gritted his teeth his brow-furred paw gripping his own cup as the fingers pressed into the styrofoam. His eyes darted around, and I thanked the gods that the coffee shop we were in was packed to the brim. I didn't know him very well. I had just met him a few minutes ago, asking him if he would mind me sitting at his table, as there were no other empty seats available. As we started talking, I had surmised that he was fairly well-mannered and polite, our conversation pleasant enough, at least until I said something that must have offended him somehow. Still... I highly doubted he would cause a scene in a place like this. I was wrong. Still frowning, he closed his eyes. At first, he appeared to be meditating, breathing in slowly and noticeably. Maybe he was just trying to calm himself down, I thought, counting to ten or something. Quandry? I asked him, 
tilting my head a little. He didn't respond, and I began to feel uncomfortable. I... I should go, I finally said, standing up and gathering my bag and coat. As I did so, however, I felt a slight tremor in the ground, barely noticeable at first, but quickly intensifying. Glancing around, I realized I wasn't the only one who felt it. The other patrons of the coffee shop all turned their heads and began to murmur to one another. Is that an earthquake? I heard one of them say to their companion. It can't be. Not around here. Right? Her question was immediately answered with a resounding and definite no, as Quandu quickly rose to his feet, his whole body visibly vibrating. For a few seconds, everyone in the shop stared at the slender young red panda, all coming to the same realization at once, but refusing to believe it. Someone then screamed, and a general panic set in as the mob rushed towards the door, trying to squeeze out through it, only a few making it out before he started to grow. I backed away slowly towards the rear wall of the shop, the only way I could go, as the panda started to swell in size. His growth seemed to happen quickly, as if he had been bottling it up inside of him until the pressure had caused him to explode. The sleeves of his button-up shirt ripped down the sides, and his pants and shoes bulged under the expanding body they were trying, unsuccessfully, to contain, his toes and legs finally breaking free. His head soon reached the ceiling, and I realized he was about to burst through it. I dove under a table just in time to avoid being hit by a large chunk of the ceiling crashing down. Clutching my knees, I looked up at the two thick tree trunks of reddish-brown fur that continued to rise up through the ceiling. By this time, those in the crowd who hadn't gotten out of the shop were probably either crushed underneath the debris or beneath the panda's paws, which were rapidly expanding to fill up the shop. Glancing back down, I realized that his toes were beginning to encroach underneath my table, the soft orange pads close enough that I could reach out and touch them. I began to panic. Escape seemed hopeless. To my right was the wall of the shop, and if I tried crawling to my left, the paws would most likely catch up with me before I could make it to the back hall and out the emergency exit. I didn't have much choice, though, if I wanted to survive. Standing up, I took a deep breath and squeezed through the small space in between his ankles, brushing up against the silky brown fur of his paws, trying to avoid looking up and seeing just how much panda there was above me. Once I was safely through, I ran to the door, gasping as I made it outside into the fresh, cold winter air. Sirens blared throughout the city, and I could hear screams coming from each side of me. The street had somehow been cleared of traffic and looked eerily empty. I suppose the police must have gotten quick word of just what was going on here and set up a blockade or something. I bent over, placing my hands on my knees and catching my breath. Thank God I was out of that insane situation, I thought. Just where do you think you're going? I felt a large, warm, furry hand wrap around me and suddenly lift me into the air, the pads pressing against my face like a pulsing leather sofa cushion. My feet dangled as I rose higher and higher, and my stomach started to feel a little uneasy at the rapid change in altitude. The hand I was in turned on its side, leaving me face down in its palm. Quickly rolling myself over, I cowered up at my captor, whose face smiled down at me mischievously. P please Quan, put me down. I'm I'm sorry. Chuckling, the panda shook his head. Don't worry, little one. I'm not going to hurt you. But I want to ask you a question before you scamper off. Quan brought me up to his face, close enough that I could see my own reflection in his violet eyes. His warm, moist breath washed over me, still tinged with the strong aroma of the coffee he had been drinking a few minutes prior. A, a question? What? I couldn't imagine what the titanic panda wanted me to tell him. Whatever it was that he needed to hear, I was prepared to say, just to be let out of his grasp as soon as possible. I just want to know one thing, he finally said, 
jostling me back and forth in his hand a little. Would you still say that I'm a lesser panda now? The end.